Welcome to the Grace Church Podcast. We are a small church located in West Lafayette, Indiana. This podcast is our recorded Sunday morning teachings. Join us as we learn to love, grow, and share what God has given us. Good to see you all this morning. All the survivors of the finals week, quiet week, semester weeks. Good, good, good. Um, if you don't have a copy of the notes for this morning, it might be good to get a copy of that, like just to, so that you can follow along. Um, so you'll notice that there's someone off to my left this morning, your right. So uh, we we are going to team share this morning. I told Penny, I says no preaching. I just want you to share. So. So no cheering her on either in that situation. <laughs> this is a part two. For those of you who were here last week, this is part two of a series on the heart. And it's really been good. It's been some stuff that Penny and I have been going through for the last couple of years. And so uh, the pastors asked us to share this this morning. And uh, I, uh, so I'm going to start off by knocking my notes down. Um, relation to the heart. I have a friend from high school. Bill was his name. He was a soft-spoken guy, kind of a big teddy bear type of guy. And uh, after high school, Bill got married. He didn't go to college. He didn't go off to further education. He just went to, he went to working around the Crofton area where I was, was born and raised from. And he got married to a girl. It was a local girl there. I think her name was Marilyn. And uh, so they were married for a year or two, and then the marriage ended up in divorce. And it was kind of a sad thing for all of us when we heard about it. And, uh, and I, I didn't stay real close. Bill was not one of my close friends in high school, but he certainly was a, a good guy. Did a lot of neat stuff around us. Um, and, and a year or two after the divorce, he died. And so I was talking to one of my classmates. I don't know how long ago it was. I said, you know, it was interesting. Um, Bill died awful young. And I said, yeah, most of us around the town think that Bill died of a broken heart. Wow. Broken heart. I'd never really heard that ever before. I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've never seen it before. I've heard about it, but never seen it before. And um, apparently Bill just never recovered from the divorce, never recovered from the fact that it didn't work out. It was a hard thing for him. And so uh, it reminded me when I heard it that, you know, we do live in a broken world, um, more than we know, and there's lots of pain out there. Lots of broken hearts out there. And uh, so Chris brought up, you know, last week about the heart, how important that the heart is and talking about the inside and out. And uh, we thought what we would do is come back this week and Penny and I would share with you some of the things that we have been learning in working with our hearts over the past several years. Um, so we're, we're following up on Chris's thoughts. So if 
the message is good, that's because Chris laid a good foundation. If the message is lousy because we didn't follow up very well. But I don't think that's the case. So um, I'd like to bring up some verses here to start with this morning. These are verses that you're going to hear us tell you how God has used those in our lives. And uh, so there's one, two, three, four. I think we have them up there. It's been a wild weekend getting everything around and done. Because um, I had a commissioning yesterday morning, and we had family here, so you've seen Jessica and Jared around there here this, this weekend. And so uh, uh, I'm hoping we got um, you know the PowerPoint straight, and um, here we go. So the first one I call inner truth. Psalm 51 verse 6 says this, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, which is the heart. And in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. So I, I look at that verse and I go, okay, Lord, that's aligning my life with the truth, aligning my heart with the truth. Um, lots of lies we can certainly get caught on. Um, so part of this is going to be being pretty open and honest with you. So one of the lies that I think that I have certainly grabbed onto in my life is the fact this. If you really knew me, you probably wouldn't like me and you'd probably reject me. Well, that's a lie. Um, but that's one that I certainly embraced. Um, and, and I've dealt with that, at least for right now, using TPM. I dealt with that. And so... Uh, I've started to align my life with more of the truth. And so I'm more comfortable letting you know some of the things about my life and, and what, what I'm really all about. The second one is a, a set of verses that Penny and I, we, in our preparation for this time, this is where, how it came about. We started talking about you know, the fact of what is it that really causes you to start to want to work with the heart. And the key word is desperation, being desperate, desperate for change. Um, I call that getting out of my comfort zone. So a woman who suffered a chronic flow of blood for 12 years and couldn't be healed by anyone came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. This woman was so desperate to change that she left the house which that was probably not cool with what was going on in her life, her physical problem, but she wanted so badly to change. She needed to get to Jesus, and in front of the crowd, she got there and got healing. Now, the next one is from the story of Lazarus. Penny brought this one up to me <clears throat> a week or so ago, and she said, do you know who this real first zombie was? It was Lazarus. He was a zombie. So we call him the undead. And I, uh, I went, <laughs> this is kind of humorous, what? So we talked about this pretty extensively. And, and she's going to share how that verse, those two verses really got her. Jesus said, remove the stone. Cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And out came the man, Lazarus. He had died. He was bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said, unbind him, let him go. So I asked the question here to myself, what is it that's blocking the pursuit of truth? 
There's a couple obstacles, and we'll talk about those in a minute. The last one is I call vulnerable. Vulnerable. It's from Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. So I wrote down here, this is what this is about. The real you. That is what others you know, need to see, is the real you. That is who you are when no one else is looking. Or, if you're going to be really vulnerable, is who you are when others are looking and you're willing to share with them. This vulnerability is something I learned this summer on the, on the cruise trip that I took. So here, before we get started, let's pray for a, a time of heart opening and, and uh, heart healing, maybe. So let's pray together. Lord, I just come to you this morning. I love that fact that you pursue me, Lord. The pursuit of me is not for perfection. It's pursuit because you simply love me. Who I am with all my foibles and all my character flaws and all my deficiencies and, and the skills that I have, skills that I don't have. You love me just the way I am. You love Penny just the way she is. And we can go around the room here this morning. Everyone in this room is loved by you just the way you are. Now, you don't want us to stay that way, Lord. You want us to grow up. And so, Lord, you tell us to guard our hearts in Proverbs chapter 4. And that's an important thing. And part of what we're doing here over the next these last two weeks, today and yesterday, last week, is to talk about the heart and how important that is. I pray the Lord this morning, give us a listening heart. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So how we're going to do this is Penny's going to share first. She's going to talk about her desperation, talk about undead, and then she's going to share a journal entry. Um, and, and I think that's it's pretty cool what I heard it. So um, I'm going to let her have the mic first of all. She's going to share with you. Okay. <clears throat> and I will try not to, I will try to share. I don't know. Because <laughs> I was sharing with Fred this morning. He goes, you're not sharing. You're preaching. So, <laughs> And so I said, okay, okay. Um, how this started out, I guess, with me is, um, was, I was saved, and I just felt like um, kind of hopeless, helpless. I wasn't changing. Um, leaders would come to me, Penny, you've got to do different, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And I was just getting tired and weary. And I thought, man, what, you know, and I would do what they would ask, and nothing would happen. And I would do that, but it wasn't enough. And I, I decided, I, I, I go, okay, I've been doing all this, well, something is not right. And I started looking, and I just really go, okay, Lord, you're going to have to show me these things because I can't figure this out. Other people are trying to help me, but i got to figure this out. 
And this is where I really became desperate. And I saw the story of the hemorrhaging woman. And I thought of her, and I thought, okay, if I can only get to Jesus, if I only can get to Jesus and touch him, and because I knew lots of stuff, I knew lots of knowledge, I've been a Christian a long time, but maybe there's something that I don't have, a, you know, this relationship that's really close to him for him to help me. I don't need to know more, you know, that's good to know more about him, but maybe I need to know, you know, him personally, like what, it, what is it like to be with him? And that's where I became very desperate. And I, somebody says, oh, you got, you know, I, I really had this encounter with him, like the woman who had the hemorrhage. Um, and I thought about how the, he- the hemorrhaging woman had to really come out of her comfort zone because she was, you know, smelly and everything. And I, and I was too, you know, I was smelly. I had all kinds of things, but I just thought, okay, I, if I can only get to Jesus, you know, this will take care of everything. Well, that was partly true. And that started this journey of opening my heart to him. And the story, I'm going to go to the story of Lazarus, because I think that that is where I saw what has transpired in my life. But um, that passage, um, I think... Um, the passage that, okay, let me look at your note here. No, yeah. Where it says, um, remove the stone. And I got to thinking about it, and I thought, you know, there's a big crowd out there, and Lazarus is going to stink. Well, you know what? I stunk too. And I was afraid to share my stink. And there had to be the stone being rolled away. And I got to thinking about, you know, Lord, okay, so you're here. I'm desperate. And he's telling me, okay, Penny, but you got to roll that stone. The stone's got to be rolled away from your life. And the stink has to be able to be out there. And I got to looking at the story of Lazarus, and the next thing was, you know, Jesus said to him, he said, Lazarus. And I thought, wow. This is when I thought, man, I'm sure that he was alive then when Jesus just spoke his name. And, and I'm going, oh, I'm alive, but I'm kind of undead because he was wrapped in, do we have a slide of that where he's in a mummy? You know, he looks like a, well, undead, okay. He, you know, he, he's all wrapped in his grave clothes, and I got to thinking of that, like, okay, I, I'm alive, but I'm wrapped 
So the next thing Jesus said was, come out, and it, and, and it says right there, he said to them, unbind him and let him go. So it wasn't Lazarus doing this, and, and it was like, Penny, it's not you having to do. You are going to need help. And that's the first time I saw in this story other people were helping in this process with my stink. And I used um, things like um, books, counseling, um, my husband, and some of this was not easy. But I, was, I wanted so desperately to have those grave clothes off of me that I was willing to have help. And it, sometimes that was very painful. I mean, I'm still in the process. But I feel like that I can see. And, I, and I'm making a, a lot more progress faster than I was. Um, so, as this is going on, just recently, and somebody asked me, how did this health thing happen? And a Friday night asked me. Well, <clears throat> that really threw me for a loop. So I kind of tell you short version. What happened is I ended up in the emergency room and they thought I was having a stroke. I wasn't. But then the next week, things didn't, prog I mean, I was progressing not in physically, things were not well. And so then the doctors thought I had this condition meaning um, arthritis of the veins and arteries. And I asked them, so if I have this, because they started searching and starting doing all kinds of tests, because the first test kind of said, yes, I have it. And so then um, I said, so what does this mean? And they said, this means that you're going to basically be sitting in a recliner for the rest of your life doing not very much of anything. And you guys, for me, that really hit me. And uh, so I had the biopsy on a Wednesday. And the next day, I mean, I was really weeping because I thought God had really forsaken me in what he had promised. And I, I don't have the passage there, but I'm going to share with you my personal journal of my dialogue with God. In John 14, 15 through 21, it talks about um, the things that struck my heart was, was these phrases when I was praying about this and everything, because I was very anxious, because I just thought, okay, Lord, 
you, you kind of said in my older life that I will have fruit, um, I'm going to be able to do certain things, and then now this, I'm going to have to be in an easy chair. Well, anyway, in, these, the, the, in the passages, um, the phrases that struck me were, not leave you orphaned, because I live, you also will live, you and me, and I and you. So I'm going to read you from my personal journal what the Lord and I talked about. With this health blip in my life, doing things different, or not being able to do the things I used to be able to do, feels like an orphan. Taking away all the things I love and, and delight in. But you, Lord, said, I will not leave you orphaned. I think of families taking in orphans and making them part of the family with the same gifts and provisions that birthed family members have. You don't know they're an orphan. Is my delight in what you have is my delight in what you have given and what and in not what you want to give now? Because you live, I also will live something new. Only as I live in you and you in me. But to get there, I need time with you. Lingering, abiding, abiding in the vine, snuggling, not struggling. I can live a new life, not orphaned, but abundant and fruitful. Maybe not like I thought, but what you want. Show me, Lord, your way, your truth, and your life. This new way, this new life in you and with you. And I ended it with amen. Um, this was on Thursday. I didn't know the outcome. And so Fred said, um, he knew I was struggling with this, and he said, how are you doing? And I said, I am doing fine. I shared with him my journal. And I said, and then when we found out on Monday, definitively, <laughs> that I did not have this arthritis, he said, how do you feel? I said, no different than I did on Thursday. Because God and I had already, my heart had already shifted that if I did have this condition, that the fruit he was going to give in my life now is going to be different than it went, that what I thought it would be, but it was going to be just as good because he is a good God. And uh, I just wanted to share that as my journey. That, and, and in some ways, you know, that is another part of me struggling with God in that personal time to remove another part of those grave clothes that I'd been hanging on to or thinking differently about Christ. Thank you, Penny. Um, one of the things we were talking about just this morning, we were talking about the fact that, you know, with, with Jesus, you and I can look at all of the, the genealogy. Look at Matthew 
and, and read all of that. And <clears throat> we can know a lot about Jesus. We know where he was born and all that stuff. But we really don't know him. It gets beyond knowing about him to knowing him and walking with him. So that was really pretty good exhortation to, for, from her to me. So in the timeline of things, Penny was ahead. She was working on her heart a lot longer, or a lot further, sooner than I did. <laughs> I was watching with a lot of interest what was going on in her life. And so um, I started picking that up, started going through the word and with counselors and prayer. And uh, so after several ministry failures, I too became desperate. We went through three church failures here. And, uh, and uh, all of them I was involved with. And it was like, wow, this is, this is nuts, crazy. And I would jump in the saddle after it was over with and think, hey, well, we're, we're going to go again. And I began to recognize that something is not right. And so then I became pretty desperate myself. Um, went out and sought a good friend of mine, Rick. <clears throat> we did some TPM together. And I saw a pattern all the way back to my childhood to the present where I felt abandoned. In almost every incident, every situation, you know, my, my family lost the farm, I felt abandoned. I lost the family at that point in time, they, they separated from us and, and I went off to college, abandoned. And almost every situation I could just see that, that pattern was right there, it was abandoned. And so I was, I kept going, I became aware of that, but what am I going to do with that? So part of what Chris and I talked about, you know, this message was just being self-aware. And what do you do with that? So <clears throat> I became desperate. I started seeking the Lord with all my heart that I knew how to do. I prayed and, and sought counsel and things like that. And um, one thing that you find out about this pattern, okay, or this this um, this life is that it, we'll talk about it in just a minute, but it's grace-paced, okay? Meaning, Jesus doesn't operate on your timeline. Jesus operates on, on his timeline. And so from the time that I probably spent time with Rick, it would probably be like 10, 15 years since that time. And um, so here's, here's what happened. I'm going to read you a little section. <clears throat> I was just reading a book. I don't remember who gave me the book. Might have been Penny. I don't know. Was it? <laughs> it was. Um, but I was just reading this book. It was called How to Grow. And uh, so here's what I was reading. Um, John, I think it is, was the one who sat down with his friend. And they were just chit-chatting. And uh, so this friend said, you know, I went to a conference recently, and, um, you know, there's something that came up that just really was interesting to me. So here's what John wrote. The speaker taught about how our family backgrounds can affect our spiritual lives. The short version is that I became aware how my family background affected me. My parents were caring, responsible Christian people, but they were judgmental and distant emotionally. So I grew up cut off from my feelings and tied to my work and ministry, and I tended to criticize others unfairly. And that statement hit me like a lightning bolt. I mean, it just rocked my world. Um, I thought, that is exactly what I grew up with. It was a 
wonderful farming home, and you know, we get three squares a day, and um, a bed, and, and all the stuff that we needed to have a good education. But there was very little emotional connection in that home. Um, one of my parents, and I won't tell you who, was very judgmental, and would cut people off if they, you know, if they crossed her. And and I recognized, you know, I didn't do that right, you know, boldly, but I would do that emotionally with folks who crossed me over. So I realized, this is what he goes and says, I realized how this hurt my marriage, my kids, and my friends. All of a sudden, I became overwhelmed with sadness and grief over my own hurt and what I had unknowingly done to others. So I can see how that was probably uh, where I was at. <clears throat> that helped to contribute to those three church failures. So as time went on, I worked on getting emotionally connected and giving up criticism and judgment of myself and others. But I did feel frozen. That's, that's a good description of myself. I felt frozen. Um, so what did I do? Well, I started praying about it, and I started seeing counsel about it, talked to different ones about it, read the Word, a lot of those things. But then there came a, a moment in time that was about a week long, okay? And it was in July. So um, went on a cruise, for which I initially told my wife, I'm never going on a cruise. So in a marriage, guys, never tell your wife you're never going to do something because you'll, you'll pay the price for that. And so I went on this cruise. I, would, I went just expecting, it was with Stephen Curtis Chapman. And most of you in this crowd don't even know who that guy is, except my daughter. She knows who he is. Um, so I, go, I went expecting seven concerts. That's going to be just a lot of fun. You know? I'm going to hang out all day long. We're going to cruise around Alaska, and I'm going to have a great concert. Um, but God had something in mind much, much deeper than that for me. So we go on this, con on this conference. That's what it was. It was a conference. Because <laughs> um, Stephen brought along his, his pastor, and, uh, and I went, so I don't know what this guy's going to be about. But we got four talks from Scotty, and it was like, wow, this one woke me up. Scotty started talking about the fact that, you know, we can be open and honest, but we need to learn how to be vulnerable. Vulnerable. And I went, so I thought, well, what's he going to do? And so over the next several days, Scotty was vulnerable. Oh, my gosh. My, my life lined up with his in so many ways, it was just scary. It was uncanny. And that's what I told Scotty. I said, you know, your life lines up a lot with mine. Um, obviously, you didn't go through church failures, but you certainly have been through all of the stuff that I had as a family and all of that stuff. Wow. Amazing. <clears throat> But one of the things that, that came as a result of this was an illustration that Scotty used. So I'm going to put it up there. I went past desperation to vulnerable. Okay, so everybody know what that picture is of? Some of you, yeah, it's the Wizard of Oz. Okay. And Scotty used this as an illustration of what it's like to be vulnerable. Okay. So when, you know... She walks into the room with all of her furry friends and starts talking to the whiz, and the whiz says, the great and powerful laws. It was meant to intimidate and keep you away. It's like Scotty said, you know, 
individuals like to, I, I want you to see me, but I don't want you to know me. And I thought, well, that's an interesting thing. Okay, wow. Um, but you all know what happens. Toto shows up. Toto does something that the whiz doesn't like. I think I got a picture of that one, too. So Toto pulls back the curtain and reveals who the real Oz is. It's just the, the guy that they've been seeing ever since they got to the land of Oz. Scotty's point was simply this. We can put on a front. We can act like the guy that's on the screen. Or we can actually show people who we really are. That what are we really like? And what God wants, this is what I've recognized over the last several months, what God wants me to do is to be real. I want you to be in love with the real me, not the false me. And, and the Lord really opened that up in such a way the last couple of, well, last month, I think, Remember back to when we were talking about 1 Peter chapter 5 and we were talking about elders and pastors and elders and pastors are examples. And I thought to myself, Lord, and he was convicting me in my journal, but I didn't bring my journal this morning, but he convicted me in my journal when he said this to me personally. He said, Fred, who do you want them to follow? The one behind the curtain? The one on the screen? Who do you want them to follow as an example? The false you or the real you? And I think, you know, if, if I was sitting in your shoes this morning, I think you would want to follow the real Fred, the real Penny. And as we can go around the room, the real us. Because the world out there doesn't see, need to see a false front. They need to see the real us. And uh, so one of the things that Scotty says, oftentimes we play our cards close. In other words, we are like a poker game, and we keep the cards right up here. We don't want people to really, really know what we're like. So that's when the lie came up. You know, If people really knew what I was like, would they like me, or would they reject me? And today, I'm getting real comfortable with just being me. Because you know what? Jesus loves me. He doesn't love the one up on the screen. He loves the one that's behind the curtain. That's the real me. So if you guys think and feel at times that I'm being a fake, please call me out. I don't want to be like that. I want to be real. And I think the one thing that Penny and I have recognized as we close this time here this morning is just to say that, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Might have that one up there. Yeah, we do. This is the, the story where Paul is saying the fact that, you know, while I had these revelations from, from the Lord... And in order to keep me from being, you know, conceited, um, I got a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that is, you know, but there's a lot of speculation. But it was a thorn, and it hurt. It wasn't fun. It was pain. And he pleaded with the Lord to, to take it away. And, you know, aren't we like that? Don't we like to want to take away the stuff of our life that hurts me and hurts others? Here's my thought. Why would I want that to happen? Because, you know, when you think about this, guys, this is what I'm, I'm thinking about and interacting with. 
This is the stuff that shows off how great Jesus Christ really is. If, if you're looking for somebody perfect, go find another church. Because we're not looking for perfection. We're looking for pursuit. I'm looking for pursuit of Jesus Christ. That's what Penny's doing. That's what I'm doing. That's what I want for us to do, is to pursue him. And so my grace, my grace is sufficient for you. So as I walked off that boat, Scotty left us with two things. A grace-based faith journey and a grace-paced faith journey. The first one is Holy Spirit-centered. So Chris talked about that last week. And that's what it gets back to, is the Spirit is the one who's leading my life. And he's the one who will prompt me to be open and honest and vulnerable. Now, I haven't told you everything this morning, and who knows when I will or if I will. But I'm not going to be purposely hiding stuff either. It's Holy Spirit-centered, and it's Holy Spirit-led. It's grace-paced. You know, yeah, you might go, well, Fred, you spent 15 years. That was such a waste. Well, you know what? Scotty, I think he was 11 years old when his mom was killed in a car accident. A young kid. And it took him 30 years to figure that one out, to work through that. But it was grace-paced, and when he got it, he got it. He really did get it. But the pain was hard. It was tough. And in our lives, the pain probably is tough sometimes that you're dealing with. So it doesn't matter the speed, folks. That's what I'm going to say this morning. The speed isn't what's important. What's important is the fact that you're with the Lord walking day by day, week in and week out. That's what's important. Don't forget that. So grace-based and grace-paced. So that's what we wanted to share with you this morning. We want to close in prayer here. And then I think there'll be another fantastic song up here by the band. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, it isn't about per- perfection. It's about pursuit. I pray that for Penny and I, we will continue to pursue you with all of our heart. I pray that everyone in this room will do the same thing, pursue you with all their heart. Lord, as we learned in 1 Peter chapter 3, it's not about the curls, it's about the character. Lord, just bless us with character growth. Help us, Lord, to guard our hearts. Help us, Lord, to be open and honest. Help us to be vulnerable. That is really where the secret is, that it's painful, but it's good. And Lord, we we really want to get out of our comfort zones. Lord, we we really want you to remove the stone. And we want the stench of our life to become the sweet aroma of Jesus Christ. So give us that heart, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, please be sure to subscribe. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website, wlgrace.org. See you next week.